Welcome to the Style Free Podcast, where a father and son detail and digress on a wide variety of topics within music, art, family, and culture. Your hosts are Professor Stephen J. Tyson Sr. and Jr., also known as Dad and Papa. In today's episode, we discuss the legendary musical group The Fifth Dimension and their musical director, Renee DeKnight. So I know one of the groups that we want to talk about is the fifth dimension. I know we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast, whether it's music or art or a variety of other subject matter that we're going to get into, but we've been pretty music focused lately. And the fifth dimension is definitely one of those groups that, you know, as much as we know their songs, their story uh, hasn't really had as much light shed on it as we would like. Yeah, not only their story, but also their their the role that they really played in, in society. And to pick up on what we were talking about uh, last time with the Isley Brothers and some of the other groups, of course, Earth, Wind and Fire, the importance of vocal groups, vocal harmony groups, bands, you know, people singing together. I think that that's so important, thinking about that within the context of the fifth dimension, the times they were uh, coming up in the 1960s into the 70s. I'm talking about the original group. You have to remember this is the period of the civil rights in the 1960s. There's a lot of conflict going on. There's the war in Vietnam. There's uh, burgeoning women's rights. So in many ways, these uh, this particular group, the Fifth Dimension, you know, represented a cross-section of a lot of different interests, trends, musics, fashion, uh, different aspects of culture coming together. The original founding members of the Fifth Dimension were Billy Davis Jr., Ron Townsend, Lamont McLemore, Florence LaRue, and Marilyn McCoo. You have the members of the group, three of which came from St. Louis, two others who had more or less been from the Los Angeles area, though Marilyn grew up, uh, she was born in New Jersey. And uh, she lived in Columbus, Georgia for until she was about seven. Then her family, her parents, who were both physicians, moved the family, uh, her other siblings, uh, with Marilyn to Los Angeles. And so she essentially... Is she like the founding member of the Fifth Dimension? She's the founding member of the Fifth Dimension. Ron Townsend, Billy Davis Jr., and Lamont McLemore were from St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. So they all knew each other as, you know, when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. And then they met each other again in, in Los Angeles. Billy had been doing a number of different activities as a vocalist, as a gospel singer. Uh, he was also a talent agent. He had his own talent agency uh, when he was a, a youngster. And uh, one of the people that was one of his talents was a woman who was named uh, Annie Mae Bullock from Nutbush, Tennessee, who later on became, of course, Tina Turner. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, he's coming up in the church, the gospel field. See, that's one component that he brought to the fifth dimension, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Florence and Marilyn brought kind of pop slash R&B uh, component to the group. Lamont Mecklemore, he was also a, a budding photographer. He had, I think, really got into photography when he was in the military. Uh, and he was doing aerial photography. And eventually that burgeoned into a career as a professional photographer for Jet and Ebony magazine. And also wow. Har- Harper's Bazaar. I think he was the first African-American to uh, be a photographer, professional uh, at, at Harper's Bazaar. So fashion photography was a big thing. And so he was photographing 
the Miss Bronze California beauty pageant. That's where he was photographing uh, Marilyn McCoo, who, who was the winner. And then Florence LaRue became the next winner the following year, I believe. Uh, and so he was photographing them and they, you know, became members of, of the fifth dimension. So wait, now, so he ended up, so, so like, was there the idea of a band or a group and he just, or he just happened to run into two folks as a photographer and then they end up. Well, he had always, he had always had a, an interest in singing and he, he and Marilyn had been part of a group earlier called the High Fives. And the High Fives, the the other three members of the High Fives group became part of a group called Friends of Distinction, which had a big hit song called Grazing in the Grass. Yep, yep. Which was um, their version of the one by Hugh Masekela, who, mm-hmm. had, who had, uh, created that song, which was really a, an amazing song. Yeah, that song is Grazing in the Grass. And then, and yeah, that's right. That's right. I can dig it, dig it, dig it, shake it, dig it. We can dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was before, uh, you know, Shinehead and... Uh, and Twister and everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Bugs and Harmony. Yeah, they were, they, they were you know, doing those flows back in the day. <laughs> yeah, Way before Migos. <laughs> That's right. So so the idea of, of groups coming in, so then they came together, they would know, they called themselves the Versatiles because they had so many different things that they were good at. Like going back to Ron, Ron Townsend, even though he sang R&B and some gospel and that sort of thing, he had a, a background in, in as an operatic singer. So in the live shows later on, when they became the Fifth Dimension, there was always a part of their performance, their live stage performance, that had him singing Pagliacci. You know. Wow. Da, 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 da. He had that background. He's he's bringing that also into the fifth dimension. He had also had his own gospel group. He had a 25 member gospel group back there in St. Louis. So so all of them are bringing, you know, something unique, something special to the yeah. group. Lamont was also had a great sense of humor. So he was he was able to keep things light because Billy. Billy was, you know, very strong-minded kind of guy. He would say what was on his mind, and sometimes there'd be a little bit of tension. And I think that Lamont had a way to use levity and humor to sort of, you mm. know, keep things on a on a pretty much even keel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so again, all of them bring their unique talents. But the name, the Versatiles. It was like a throwback to the old days. Yeah, like like uh, whenever the Temptations are trying to make the Elgins as one of their yes, names. Yes, or... yes. You know, <laughs> there were groups called the Rayovacs, and uh, isn't that a vacuum? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. They were they were a respectable group. The Eldorados, the the Fleetwoods, the I mean, the often named after cars and things, but also yeah. after birds, like the Larks, like the Ravens. Hmm. Like uh, Sonny Till and the Orioles. And speaking of birds, I think it was Michael Jackson's father who was part of a group called the Falcons. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. I remember that from the uh, Jackson American Story movie. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. So so that was a popular thing. So anything that ended with an S, you know, so the <laughs> whatever, fill in the blank. S, you know. Yeah. And so anyway, Johnny Rivers, who was their um, I believe he was their manager at the time. He said, uh, maybe you guys can come up with another another self. They were thinking, what are we going to call ourselves? Uh, and so finally, um, Ron Townsend, and I think it was his wife, but I think it was both of them credited with coming back to the group and said, hey, why don't we, the fifth dimension, there's five of us, you know, 
I, I think it was because they brought different dimensions to, yeah. to music mm-hmm. and it was kind of esoteric. You know, this is the 60s, right? This is 1966. Thus, they they everybody liked it. Everybody in the group liked the name. So they became the fifth dimension. It was nobody who had that a name like that really out there. Yeah, it was very unique. And and so this this coming together, this coming together, a, a band, a vocal group of singers who who harmonized, who blended together, who uh, I thought that was also emblematic of the best aspirations of the country. Yeah. When I was listening to the Isley Brothers and and Ron Isley, or or the way that um, Philip and and uh, Maurice would sing and and harmonize, or some of the choruses, you could hear choirs, choir sounding uh, singers in in some of Earth, Wind, and Fire's music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye being part of a group called the Moonglows, Harvey Fuqua, and the Moonglows. And 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 so you know he's his Marvin coming out of Washington D.C. and he's singing with this vocal group and uh, you know he's got a, a Pentecostal type of background so he's bringing a lot of energy and so forth and there's a song called I think it's called the 12, 12 months of the year that the uh, Moonglows did and Marvin does the the intro the spoken word part of uh-huh. it and then at another part in the in in the song as well. Uh, they were famous for songs like the Twelve Commandments of Love and, you know, Sincerely. And Harvey Fuqua, by the way, became a sort of a talent agent or a person who was developing talent at Motown. He married one of Barry Gordy's sisters. And Marvin, of course, came into Motown. Mm-hmm. Same, the same with ma- marrying Anna Gordy, another one of Barry's sisters. <laughs> wow. You know, so there was a strong connection there. But the reason I brought that up is because if you listen to Marvin's later vocals, the way he stacks his vocals, right? Mm-hmm. So that he's harmonizing with himself. Mm-hmm. It's as though he's taking that experience from the moon glows, the five-part harmonies and so forth, and incorporating that as a solo artist with yeah. himself. Yeah, and uh, I think it was David Ritz who was writing the Divided Soul said that it was almost like he was taking different aspects of of himself, you mm-hmm. know, uh, because you know the different conflicts and things, and through music he was able to find some kind of uh, cohesion, some sense of unity. So if you think about a country that's divided in many ways, and this is something I was talking about before, what are the things that we have in common? What are the ways we, that people can be reached in different places in the country who have different interests, maybe different aspirations or have different backgrounds or don't know about other people? They're only operating out of ignorance, out of blindness. Yeah. Is there a way that music can play a role in not only bringing people together, shining a light on things, um, but also creating a, a context in which there can be dialogue and meaningful exchange? And so I, mean, I think that... Yeah, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. Like, what you're saying, it, it connects to at least my perception of the concept of the age of Aquarius, kind of going back mm-hmm. to fifth dimension as well with, mm-hmm. you know, if we're in this space of turmoil and conflict and music or the arts or creativity for a, the broadest definition of a lot of these things can be a vehicle or a conduit for change, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that also connects to my understanding a minimal understanding, but understanding nonetheless of the idea of the age of Aquarius, of the age of enlightenment, of an age of moving past some of the more baser instincts as a collective humanity and more toward a space 
where we're able to impact in a positive way mm-hmm. each other, but then every other living thing in the world that we inhabit. I think that that's, um, and that's why it was interesting when the when the fifth dimension sang the age of Aquarius, Hair was the musical that was on Broadway at the time. We went, I went to see it, you know, with, with the family, we went to see it as kids and, you know, which was uh, quite something because there's one part of the, of the musical, you know, where, the the, the cast um, disrobes and so uh so that was that was interesting but the, the way i understand the story was is that the um fifth dimension were performing at a place called the americana hotel and in the americana hotel there was a place called the royal box theater so we went there to see them perform and renee renee denight who was a mentor to the group he had been brought in by florence larue to uh, really helped them with their stagecraft, how they performed on stage and uh, with vocal harmonies. I mean, they had arrangers. They had people like Bill Holman and and Bob uh, uh, Alcivar and others who in the studio were working on their vocal arrangements. So, but Renee Denight came from a group called the Delta Rhythm Boys, you know, which mm-hmm. had started back in the early 1930s. Another one of those five-part harmonies. Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Renee was the the arranger and the piano player for the group. So so he's bringing a wealth of experience. I mean, they were known throughout the world and they continued performing from like 1933 to 1987, okay? I think it was on the death of Lee Gaines, who was one of the important uh, founding members of the group. After he died, I think that that's when the group essentially ended. But Renee, who grew up, in New York City, in the section called San Juan Hill, with his other siblings, Dolorita, Francis, and Avel, the great artist, visual artist, Avel Denight. He brought a lot of his uh, knowledge and musical skills to the fifth dimension. Uh, he had also studied, by the way, with uh, Nadia Boulanger who was a legendary music teacher, who was wow. uh, among her her students were people like Igor Stravinsky mm-hmm. uh, and Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I would call it a finishing school per se. But if you studied with Nadia, you, you, that was a, a high mark, mm-hmm. you know. And she was, and she gave a lot of advice to people like Quincy. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, Renee told me once that uh, he was visiting. He was waiting to um, uh, go in because you know students would come in one after the other, and Quincy Jones was there. And he looked at Quincy's scores and he, and he said, you yeah, know, because, I mean, Renee has already had experience as an arranger and right, all right. this sort of thing. So he's looking at Quincy's scores and he's saying, wow, this guy's brilliant. I mean, this is <laughs> great, great stuff here, you know? And so, you know, the, the, the rest is history. Um, what's interesting, though, just as a side note, that Quincy would later do an album called Walking in Space. And that song, the title song from that album, Walking in Space, has Valerie Simpson of Ashford and Simpson, who were associated with Motown as wow. singer, singing the lead on that on that song. That song came from Hair, okay? <laughs> like right. a full circle. A full circle. So, so now going back to the musical, so Billy Davis Jr. is mm-hmm. in New York. He's doing some shopping and going out on the town, and he left his wallet in the cab. The next person that comes into the cab 
happens to be Renee Denight. One of, one, no, no, one of the producers gonna... <laughs> of Hair. And so he's looking at that and, and he contacts Billy somehow. I don't remember exactly how. And um, Billy says, hey, why don't you guys come and check us out at the at the Royal Box? Yeah. And then and so they they do. I don't know if that was the day that that we were there, because that was the day that uh, Renee on one of the songs called up your father <laughs> and your uncle. <laughs> well, Renee yeah. called y'all up on stage on stage. <laughs> and so we we dance with the fifth dimension. I was, <laughs> the audience, right? And I was doing I was doing the. Um, what was I doing the the tighten up or the uh, or the horse or one of those popular dances at the time? Uh-huh. And uh, and so I was dancing with Florence. You know, <laughs> we were doing our thing because she was the, the shorter member of the group, so I guess there was a closer matchup there. Or something. <laughs> right, right, right. But at any rate, <laughs> it was a lot. Of, yeah, it was, it was yeah. a lot of fun. And we had seen the Fifth Dimension, of course. Um, we would see them at the Eurus Theater. We saw them at the um, Westbury Music Fair, and of course, we saw them. At the Ed Sullivan show, mm-hmm. you know, and there was that slight bit of a hookup because well, Renee's a cousin, right? So Renee is is a cousin of first cousin of my mother's, mm-hmm. your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so that's that's where the connection uh, was there. So he would invite us to any time they were in town and they were performing. So um, I didn't meet Ed Sullivan, but you know, we did get to go backstage and you know, talk with them. And it was cool. Great. We'll probably have to do an Ed Sullivan piece at some point. Where we <laughs> show, because there's been so many artists who were able to get, you know, to yeah. a broader platform because of because of feature on the Ed Sullivan show. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Ed Sullivan was a real champion, you know, for a lot of um, uh, Black groups. So going back to to the Fifth Dimension, so so in turn, the, the producer said, why don't you guys come and check out the uh, the Broadway show, Hair? You know, I think they were in rehearsals or they were doing some songs. So the Fifth Dimension goes over there and they hear the songs and they say, Age of Aquarius, you know, and they said, wow, and let the sun shine in. And so they went back to Bones Howe. I think this is how the story goes, that -hmm. somehow Bones Howe, who was there, uh, he was an engineer, but also a producer, said, um, yeah, let's let's do Age of Aquarius. But then at the end of the song, he felt that there should be something else to it, that it was enough. So they said, well, let the sun shine in. So Galt McDermott, who was the guy who wrote, you know, the songs, mm-hmm. apparently he had studied Bantu African music uh, when he was in South Africa. I think it was in Durban. And he was he was studying and he wanted when he had the uh, the hair concept, he wanted to incorporate African rhythms, not not the melodies or anything like that. Mm. But but he wanted to get the certain African rhythms incorporated into it to a funk feel into mm-hmm. So when you hit, I mean, he wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that song is at least in how Fifth Dimension plays it. It, it does feel very gospel esque. Yes, yeah, and he wanted to get the and and there's certain drum patterns in in his version. Uh, I'm talking about Galt McDermott, right? Um, it, which was you can hear the hip hop, the sort of proto hip hop, uh, in, in the in the drum rhythm a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, he wanted to get get that feel throughout the entire music. Right, which hmm. is a a musical that has to do with um, anti-war protests, finding your own voice, and and being yourself. You know, it was a, a comment against conservatism in in society and so forth. Uh, there's a lot of things uh, uh, happening in there. You know, just sort of letting it all hang out. You know, be free. 
yeah. So this idea of freedom. So you had a cast of people in it. You had Melba Moore in it. You had Ben Vereen in it. You had a singer named Ronnie Dyson. I uh, was an incredible singer, gone too soon, one of those unsung folks. Yeah. And then he had a song called um, If You Let Me Lake, Make Love to You, Then Why Can't I Touch You? You know, I mean, that was a real popular song. I think they came out around 69 or 70. But anyway, there's a lot of folks who came out of that hair experience. And like yeah. I say, Quincy also used that. So they had a, a massive hit with the Fifth Dimension did with um, the Age of Aquarius and then uh, Let the Sun Shine In where Billy Davis Jr. just lets loose. He just, <laughs> he just riffs. He just ad-libs. He impro improvises off of yeah, that. Yeah, you could, you could you feel know, that, that spirit taking him away into it. And that's one of the aspects that also makes it feel very gospel-esque is, hmm. you know, you have the lead singer just within the feeling and just yes. letting it fly. Yeah, you got to feel it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so he just brings his whole gospel thing. I mean, he took it to church. So I would say that, that that is another example of how they can take certain elements of pop culture. If you saw the way that the Fifth Dimension dressed, mm -hmm. they, they could dress, you know, kind of flowery and, and, and these, you know, psychedelic kinds of colors. But then they could also dress very uh, almost futuristically. I mean, another Afrofuturistic aspect. Oh, man. I mean, it was just incredible what they their patterns. They, mm -hmm. there, was a, there was a unity. There was individuality with each of their different outfits. Nobody wore the same, for the most part, wore the same exact outfit. They yeah. all wore variations off of a theme in some way or another. And they were they were well received by people like Frank Sinatra, who's off on one kind of political spectrum, right? right. But a consummate entertainer in his own right, you know, storied history and all that. And he loved the fifth dimension. He absolutely loved the fifth dimension. Then they're also recording music by a woman named Laura Nero. Mm -hmm. Laura Nero's from the Bronx. And she she had a big impact in the music industry, you know, since her arrival in the mid 60s, around the same time as the fifth dimension was, um, you know, launching their career. She died also too, too, too soon. Um, but uh, she was a big fan of jazz. She loved um, uh, R&B. Uh, in fact, I think it was the uh, New York Tenderberry Sessions that she was recording that uh, she wanted to have Miles Davis come in and play on that recording. And there's a great photograph of, of Miles and her laughing and Miles in the <laughs> studio with her. And, and I think he felt, now. Nah, I don't think I can do anything here. You know, mm -hmm. sort of like when, when Prince and, and Miles were going to collaborate on an album and uh, you know, it just did. It just didn't happen. It didn't happen. Right? Yeah. But the point is, is that I'm saying that, would that crazy. when you hear Wedding Bell Blues, when you hear Stone Soul Picnic, uh, all these classic. Uh, these were Laura Nero songs that the Fifth Dimension took to another level. Yeah. Laura did it her way. But, you know, they they again, they put their stamp on it and became something else. So I'm saying mm -hmm. that the Fifth Dimension is emblematic of this sense of of bringing together different uh, strands of culture and 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 they embody a, a kind of unity of different, you know, whether it's conservative, whether it's, I mean, there's nobody who didn't like the fifth dimension. Now there's one interesting episode that took place in, I believe it was December of 1969 and Renee was there and they were at, invited to the White House to give a, a performance. Oh, Richard wow. Nixon. Is this Nixon? Yeah, Nixon's yeah. White Richard House. Richard Nixon. Yeah. 
And I think it was a luncheon uh, of, of uh, U.S. governors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were invited to give a performance. So the song that they, one of the songs that they performed there was um, the Declaration of Independence. Which, I mean, we there's a song, the, or they just decided to sing the words be, of the... We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I I probably (laughs) would not have uh, fared too well uh, in the audition for the fifth dimension. Nah, you'd be the sixth dimension. You, you just... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the main the main idea, so they're singing this song, but listen, but whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. If you listen, if yeah. you, actually, the person who arranged this, the Declaration of Independence, was Rene Denight. Oh, wow. And so there, the, and Renee is, it, there's a photograph of them with Renee in the background. And I think Bones is there too, the engineer, with Nixon mm-hmm. and the fifth dimension standing uh, before the audience. Wow. And so when the audience heard now, Nixon, you know, uh, very controversial figure, <laughs> uh, very conservative. <laughs> and this is, this is just a year into his administration, right? Right, right. Barely, barely a year, right, into his administration. This is the end of 69. So so the audience is listening to this and and there's, you know, protests going on outside and and all of this. So when you hear somebody giving back one of the foundational statements of the United States of America, we hold these truths to be self-evident, you know, that all men are created equal in the face of racial oppression and all of that. Yeah. It goes back to like Martin Luther King saying, we just want you to be true to what you said on paper. Right. So now they're putting it in front of the Nixon administration Mm -hmm. and all the conservatives. So the audience is listening and there's silence at the end of the performance. And it's like, nobody knows what to say. Right. And apparently Nixon. And then everybody starts chiming in and, they all, <laughs> and everything yeah, is yeah. You know, cool after that, you know? Um, so it, it, it's, it's interesting again, how they find a way to speak through their music, truth, unity, that sense of togetherness. I remember feeling that when I was uh, on my I, my first Fulbright to Africa, a Fulbright Hayes fellowship was to um, Nigeria, mm-hmm. and in Nigeria, of course, the drum is very very powerful in, in in West Africa. Yeah, but I was told when I went to Namibia, you know, in Botswana, but but particularly in Namibia, in Southern Africa, my second Fulbright, I went to a gathering with local individuals. And I was talking about music, you know, African music. And they said, well, yes, in West Africa, of course, that's where the the drum is very strong. But here in Southern Africa, in Namibia, it's vocal. It's the the voice that is strongest here. Wow. 
So we're talking about vocal harmony. We're talking about communal singing. Yeah. So I said, do you know the song, The God Bless Africa? This was during the period of, um, you know, after apartheid because uh, Nelson Mandela had been freed and so forth. And the woman said, oh, yes, yes. And she started going, Africa. And as she began singing that, it's like just all of a sudden, all the other people in the group in this gathering started singing in unison. And it was so moving. Tears were coming down our eyes. That's incredible. People who had had experienced apartheid, oppression, murder, all kinds of kids that I had met who were running guns you know, for the South African uh, army, you know, planting landmines, mm-hmm. you know, who were forced to do this, you know, people turning against each other and this, but, but somehow finding a way, you know, to, to unify and come together. Different ethnic groups have been pitted against each other. The Damara, the Herero, uh, this divide and conquer, you know, they found that through art, through singing, through music, that they were able to come together, you yeah. know, and reaffirm their humanity. Yeah. And so I, I I experienced that there. I felt it when I was in, in West Africa, in, in Nigeria, in the Agungun Festival, you know, where the ancestors, you know, return and come together with the people, with the living here and now. Mm-hmm. And that sense of, and, and color and music and dance and all of that fusion together, you know, the sense of wholeness, of unity, yeah. you know, unity between the individual and the cosmos between the past and the present, you know, into the future. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the fifth dimension is a way, you know, the fifth dimension, the fourth dimension deals with time. For some right. people, the fifth dimension deals with love, you know, mm-hmm. as the strong binding element that brings us all together. And that's affirmed in, in, in Billy Davis and Marilyn McCoo through their own faith. They're born again, Christians. And they they participated in this event called Jesus at the Roxy. I think that's what it was called. It was a club on Sunset Boulevard. And that's where um, Frank Wilson, who was a producer at Motown, they had connections with Motown, by the way, because Mark Gordon, who was the president of the West Coast Motown organization, was also became their manager. He married Florence LaRue. Right. So there's a lot of connections. Wow. Everybody's ended up marrying somebody. (laughs) So Frank Wilson sets up this um, Jesus at the Roxy. It was a place where people in the industry, celebrities and so forth, could come together and sing and and talk about their faith and talk about spirituals. And and among those individuals who were there, not only Billy Davis Jr. and Marilyn McCoo uh, went there, but also Philip Bailey of uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. And by the way, when the Fifth Dimension had a very strong album, they came back in the 1990s and they had an album called In the House. And in that on that album, it's it's really a a good, a good album, keeping with the 90s hip hop feel and and so forth. It's got ballad. I'm assuming doing their best to try to keep up with it. Yeah. Well, one of the people singing in the chorus in that album is Philip Bailey. Right? <laughs> uh, and other people who've uh, who've also been associated with uh, with Motown, right? And now Billy Davis and and uh, Marilyn McCoo are coming out with their latest recording, which is um, uh, their mm. first studio recording in thirty years, and it's dedicated to to the music of Lennon and McCartney, 
But one of the songs that they came out with is called Blackbird. Yeah. And Blackbird is a song that was written by Paul McCartney, though credited to Lennon McCartney, because that's how they were doing things back then. Yeah. And and according to Paul McCartney, one of the, the reasons he gave for writing that song was because it was his response to the civil rights situation. So Blackbird mm. is a reference to Black folk. Uh, some say some other in, uh, versions of this story is that he meant to it to be called Black Girl, but uh, but then it became Black. So you know, take these broken wings. It's all you know, rather symbolic or metaphoric. You know, yeah. all your life you've been waiting for this moment to be free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like the way that Sam Cooke is listening to "Blowing in the Wind" mm. by Bob mm-hmm. Dylan. Yeah. You know, how many roads does a man go? To? So he then he comes up with a change is going to come. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the fifth dimension with Billy Davis Jr. in one of their recordings had that song, A Change Is Gonna Come, featuring <laughs> Billy Davis Jr. And people gotta be free. So popular songwriting, popular music, artists across various spectrums, you know, this is what the the fifth dimension with the influence, of course, of Renee DeKnight brings to the table. By the way, when I was uh, younger, I used to watch a TV show called It Takes a Thief. And it starred Robert Wagner. He played a character called Alexander Mundy. And his father, I believe, was played by Fred Astaire. Now, there's one episode, I think it's called Sing a Song of Murder. Uh, I, I, forget, I forget the details of, 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 the, um, of the episode. But, but it requires that a group perform, that, that they're part of this, this script. Yeah. So the way it goes is that the fifth dimension is that group. Marilyn plays the lead of, of, of the, the woman who is a member of the group, but she has a romantic relationship with uh, Robert Wagner, who plays Alexander Monday. Uh, <laughs> you remember Robert Wagner. A lot of people might remember him from a character in um, Austin Powers. He was number uh, two? Yeah, number two. Right? <laughs> 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 and so, so the, 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 the group didn't have any real experience with acting. I mean, they, they had varying stage production things in, you know, maybe high school and, and, and all that sort of thing. So he really helped them and work with them. You know, a lot of people were there and, and supported the fifth dimension. There was a little pushback after the Nixon appearance, though, you know, in terms of black folk. So now yeah, they're figuring probably, I mean, you're, you're cashing a check from Nixon. Like, what are y'all doing? In that video, you can see Renee with Mark Gordon, their manager and husband of Florence uh, LaRue. Uh, and they're singing uh, One Less Bell to Answer and Puppet Man. You know, Puppet Man was written by Neil Sedaka, who was a very popular, since the 1950s, he was a very popular songwriter and entertainer, Neil Sedaka. And this is all, they're, all, they're doing these all in that Robert Wagner show. Yeah, they're doing this all <laughs> in, that, in that episode. Yeah. Uh, and she has a love, uh, there's a love connection between Robert Wagner and Marilyn McCoo. Did that do uh, yeah. something as far as, you know, having an interracial love scene so on TV? They, so I know that they filmed the scene where they kissed, right? Was that before or after Captain Kirk? That was after, because I think that episode came out in February of 69, of February of 70. So, yes, it was after Captain Kirk hmm. and, uh, and Nichelle Nichols had kissed yeah. on screen. Yeah. So... So Marilyn remembered being a bit nervous, thinking that they might not show it. And in fact, they cut that, they edited out that kissing off the scene. They said, well, this is 1970. And so they were surprised, but not surprised. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. That that's a whole other conversation about what gets edited out of movies and stuff like that mm-hmm. in terms of black acts, so that they could put the uh, the the segment in with black actors or or performers in one take, or take it out when it goes to the south. Back in the thirties yep. and forties, that was pretty popular. Wow. So anyway, unity, reaching all branches, coming together through music. Uh, this I think is what uh, is most representative about the fifth dimension and how Marilyn and Billy today in their recording on their album cover, they showed names like Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile and others, because they they want this recording, their new recording to speak to this time of coming together in in unity in this country and, and by extension the world. So their legacy is strong, the fifth dimension.